I'm Matt Bergman, and you are listening to the Punk Rock Libertarians podcast. I'm here tonight with Jared Schneiderman. Hey, guys. Philip Dassing. What's going on? Kyle Wagner. Hello. And once again, special guest, Arvin Vora. Good to be here, everybody. Arvin, what is this, like your, your 69th time on the podcast? <laughs> it might be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might be the lucky time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, thanks for coming back again, dude. We're super excited to have you on, as always. I know? appreciate being here. It's exciting to be with you guys in the... Is this called the Freedom Basement or the Anarchy Basement? Anarchy Basement. Anarchy, Anarchy basement. basement, even better. Case. Yeah, right? Right. <laughs> Kyle yeah, it's, hates it's, it. It's you got to wonder like how Kyle Wagner even stays here. It's like <laughs> it's like this basement is like his kryptonite. No, you know, you, somebody has to be the voice of reason. It's like <laughs> it's like Ron Paul's thing in Congress all those years. Yeah, it's like for Kyle. Wagner, like compared like me being to in DC, right? <laughs> Kyle, you're like the you're voice. No longer invited. Kyle, you're the voice of statism. <laughs> yeah, you need, you, we need the state. <laughs> okay, oh, so yeah, right off the bat. <laughs> all right, so um, Arvin. Yeah. So what's going on, man? So right now you're working on your like 2020 presidential yep. run. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, there's there's a few major things, right? Everyone knows that I'm about ending the welfare state and ending the income tax. And what's really important for this campaign, what the real core of this campaign is, is I there's want age of consent, right? That's going to be part <laughs> of it. Yeah. But one of the most important things in this campaign is this idea that I want to use the campaign itself, like campaign win or lose, to change culture in a way that's going to change the effect of government and the laws of government. Simple example, I've pledged to pardon Julian Assange, Edward Snowden, and Ross Ulbricht on my first day, but every time I talk about that, I encourage people to learn about jury nullification. That's what got us freedom of press in America, and I want to see that happening. I want the amount of jury nullification by the end of this campaign to be 10 times what it is right now. I want us to nullify the drug war. Dude, hell yeah. It sounds like you're going about this uh, whole campaign as like, if nothing else happens, at least you can be sure that I'm going to present a clear message. I'm going to present a clear message and I'm going to make things change. So the campaign itself, you know, people always talk about the president has a bully pulpit and they're right. They're right. A candidate, a president does, but a presidential candidate also has a bully pulpit. And that's where you can get ideas like, like, uh, like jury nullification, homeschooling, cryptocurrency usage, uh, so many, uh, you know, not joining the police and military. So many of these important ideas that don't depend on legal changes, we can start getting those to happen right now. I mean, I've already been as vice chair. I had a smaller bully pulpit, but I, you know, got you know quite a few people to to change over to homeschooling, introduce people to Bitcoin, with a with a you know national level platform it could be something that's even more culturally transformative. Um, yeah, dude, I'm on board. As far as uh, still at this point, out of everybody that I've heard that's running as a libertarian, you're hands down my favorite. Out of everybody that's running. I appreciate so, that. Yeah. I'll um, say, who do you like more, Joe no, Biden? <laughs> everybody that's, who's running as a libertarian, you know, everybody's going for that spot. Yeah. You're hands down my favorite. Um, who's your competition as of now that, that you know of? Oh my God! Who you mean? Who's running? Yeah, yeah. For, for the, <laughs> people for the coming down every day. So I was I was in Florida last weekend at, at their convention, 
and you know somebody announced during the convention you know what i mean and, and was in the debate and I, and I appreciate that 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 she was in the debate because i think that's what we need open debates but it's it's getting harder and harder to keep track of everybody that is that is announcing it there's 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 a lot i think once bill well dropped out uh or switched to being a republican mm-hmm. the, the the it's wide open for the lp nomination and um you know i think it's going to come down to whoever has the biggest hat mm-hmm. i hope not because <laughs> Wait, because i don't know the biggest hat well like is, is it, it dan, maybe dan berman maybe vermin supreme has the biggest hat i don't know yeah if, if that's what it is i don't have a the chance don't have have a hat. that's what i was referring yeah. to yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, man. Um, out of everybody that I've heard, it's like you were definitely hands down. I can't think of anybody who, uh, you know, even rank uh, close to you, you know. I appreciate so, that. So, yeah. Hell yeah, man. Um, I'm mad psyched about this. I, I like everything that, you, that you've said, you know. Um, then we actually threw out ideas to our listeners. We, we mm-hmm. asked them, you know, what would we like? What would they like to hear us uh, talk to Arvin Vora about? And uh, so I'm hearing back here. So who would you, who are you thinking about as like a, a possible running mate? I don't have a specific person in mind. Well, uh, yeah, because with the the Libertarian Party, you kind of like, you you kind of like pick the VP just like you pick the vice president. So yeah. it's, I mean, you can you could suggest somebody. Yeah. You know, just like you know Gary Johnson suggested Bill Weld. Right. We, we see what that got us. You wouldn't suggest Bill Weld, no. would you? <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. And and I can, I can tell you what what the criteria that I would use, and this is the criteria that I'd recommend the convention use. Um, you want somebody that is a very electrifying and dynamic spokesman or spokeswoman. You want somebody who's really good at interviews because that's the most important thing that you're going to do. You know, people talk about fundraising like it's the most important of all the things. And it's important. I'm not saying it's not important. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes down to it, things like, you know, Gary Johnson's like lackluster, barely awake Aleppo type moments Mm -hmm. or Bill Weld's going to endorse Hillary, that kind (laughs) of stuff, no matter how much fundraising you do, undoes all of it. You know, people talk. Well, about, I mean, Bill Well was an excellent speaker, but you know, he was saying the wrong thing. So I, I don't think, you know, I think electrifying is important. But I mean, first and foremost, you know, you should probably have a, a somewhat <laughs> Some, decent message. No, no, I, that, that's also <laughs> part of it. So I want somebody who's. I think we need somebody who's one a dynamic and engaging speaker, somebody that can really handle an interview, just knock it out of the park. And the second thing, as you correctly bring up. You need somebody that during the interview is going to knock it out of the park and score a goal for, you know, I'm going to kind of combine two metaphors here. Score a goal for your team, not the other guy's team. Bill Well did knock that interview out of the park. He That was one of the best interviews endorsing Hillary of the entire <laughs> camp, of the campaign season. <laughs> but it's like not, wrong the, team, the right? So you want somebody that's going to score a goal for our team. Yeah. Not against our team. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't th- normally you wouldn't have to mention that, but but and, I think and we do. We've also we talked about before how you kind of like when you're in interviews, you'll kind of like command the interview. Like you'll just be asked a question and then you'll you'll field it a little bit, but then you'll talk about like whatever the fuck you want to talk about. Yeah. Whatever the fuck you want people to hear. What, one of the what, I don't know if I ever told you that guys this one of the most the probably the most interesting interview moment in 2016. Uh, there was me, uh, the vice presidential candidate from the Green Party, um, Jesse the Body Ventura, of course, was the interviewer, mm. and uh, there was somebody else was was helping the interview was was also another interviewer, and my mic, my sorry, my my headphones went dead. I couldn't hear anything. I was in one room. The person who I was kind of debating against was in New York on a live feed, and so I had no earthly idea what he had said. Mm. 
And no one, I mean, you guys know, and I guess all you guys know now because I told you, but no one knew. And I could, I could have said, like, you know, listen, my mic isn't down, but that would mean I would have lost the, the, the you know, few seconds of valuable live airtime that I had been given. So I just went with it. I was like, I don't know what he said, but here's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. That that's some uh, quick thinking, you know. You you wow. thought Bill Weld was an electrifying speaker? Did I hear that correctly? Um, he was a he was a better speaker. I hate to say it than Gary Johnson. Yeah, he was. Like a lot of the time, I, he was, I mean, he, he was, was a polished po- political speaker, but I never felt like. Uh, impassioned or I mean, uh, emotional about Bill Weld. I know, mean, it was I more <laughs> of a, this guy sounds just like Mitt Romney, like a guy that's been a politician his whole life and knows he, he's very polished, but nothing of too much substance. That's how I. That's how I interpreted it. Well, uh, yeah, he didn't. Ha- he didn't have a whole lot of substance. So that, that's why I also said, you know, as far as the message goes, you know, he sucked. <laughs> you know, he wasn't. Um, he wasn't any way uh, consistent with uh, any way libertarian, really. You know, I mean. Uh, it wasn't well a gun grabber. Um, he made that comment where he said it, it would be cool if you take people's uh, constitutional rights away from them. Um, it's something about uh, cops getting guns from people. If you're on a if you're on a terror oh, watch yeah, list. Oh yeah, yeah. If you're on a government, if you're yeah, on a terror, terror watch, terrorist yeah. watch list, right? Which is done without any due process at all. Exactly. It's very arbitrarily. You're thrown on there, so it eliminates due process. And he said it's fine if, if you take guns away from those people if you're on this terrorist watch list. And I believe like it was something like one or two million people were on there. You know, people were in there that didn't even know that they were on there. Yeah. You know. Mm. And and the and the problem with that is somebody listen like interviews they can be high pressure. You can get flustered. I've been in a lot of interviews. I get that, right? But that's not a rookie mistake. And that's not a mistake that you would make if you have an actual legal background. Bill Weld, I assume in some part of his law school education, heard about the Fourth Amendment. Maybe not. Maybe that he was sick that one you know, semester or whatever. But the <laughs> point is, he probably heard about it. And for somebody with a legitimate legal background, with tons of experience, a lot of interview experience, you can't just write that off. And the worst thing is, he didn't even try to write it off. He, was, he wasn't like, oh, I misspoke. He was like, yeah, that's what I believe. It's mm. totally against all everything the Fourth Amendment stands for. But yeah, that's my belief. Word, word. Um. Okay, so now we're going to go to, okay, say you get elected, dude. Mm-hmm. What are the first 100 days of Arvin Vora going to be like? I, I want to talk about the first day first. I don't want to get to the next 99. Is there, there going to be like hoverboards? I mean, what, what's going to happen? <laughs> so so there, 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 there well might be, but, but I, I can't guarantee that. But here's what, I, here's what I can guarantee. First day, I'm going to take on the role of partner-in-chief like no one has ever seen. First day, I'm going to be pardoning Assange, Snowden, Albrecht just the second I walk into nice. the office. Then everyone who is in prison for purely a drug charge, everyone who's in prison for a Bitcoin type charge, everyone in, who's in prison for a gun possession charge. That means they just the crime is just having a gun yeah, yeah. and like not knowing the half the time people don't know the paperwork they need to do because it's so Byzantine. Just having a gun. You didn't hurt anybody. Right. Pardoning all of those people. Right. That that's just the first uh, however fast I can pardon. That's how fast I'm going to do that. So that's just Fuck day yeah. number one. Wow, Kyle, are you getting an erection? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, um, I guess I, I'm hesitant when you hear about like a blanket thing like that. I I don't know how easy it is to tell what some what these charges are. I guess I guess it is fairly easy to say, okay, this was this was a nonviolent possession charge, or this was a um, 
tra- uh, charge for intent to distribute, a drug dealing charge well, versus I mean, an assault or a murder or a theft charge. So I, I guess yeah. you can kind of parse it that way. But just when you talk about a blanket pardon of thousands of cases, I, I don't know. Maybe there could be some instances in there where it's, it's somebody that, that really shouldn't be in, in uh, walking free. I, I don't know. You know. Well, I mean, if there's somebody in there that shouldn't be walking free, you just have to get them for a legitimate crime when there's actually a victim. Yeah. 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 And, that, and that's going to be a, a, a key thing. And, you know, I mean, Kyle has a good point. I mean, I'm not trying to pardon people who, if there's any reasonable argument that this person had a victim, right? Like, let's say they got into a bar fight. Honestly, do I think that's a big deal? Not really. But if you got in a bar fight and they beat the hell out of somebody, they're not going to be on my immediate first, second of pardons list because mm-hmm. I can see, like, there was a victim. Right. Or at least you could argue there was a victim. But if somebody sold some marijuana to somebody else, you can't argue that there, there's no le- legitimate way to argue that there even could have been a victim to that. And so that's. And plus, you know, plenty of people are doing it right now and it's 100 percent legal now. You know, mm-hmm. it's this is just fucking it's eventually somebody's eventually society's conscience. Everybody's going to be snapped out of it. Right. And they're going to be like, whoa. You know, I'm smoking doobage like every day. I'm going down the store. I'm buying it at the dispensary. Like, how fucked up is it that we have all these people in prison for nonviolent drug crimes? You know, eventually that is going to happen, and these people are going to be freed. It's just a question of when. And then, uh, being a libertarian, I think right now, I mean, we need to be like all over this, just like we've always been all over the war on drugs. Yeah, and and that's one of the biggest biggest strategic errors that I think that we've made over the years, which is. When it was difficult to talk about legalizing all drugs, there was a lot of pragmatists that said, listen, you can't, I'm using the word pragmatist like sarcastic. There's nothing pragmatic about this. It's just a bad strategy. There's a lot of bad strategists who said, we shouldn't talk about that because it scares people. And what I say, we should have talked about it. It should have scared people. The New York Times should have been covered like these evil libertarians want to legalize drugs. They should have put in the mind of every man, woman, and child in America that libertarians want to legalize drugs so that when it happened, we would actually get the credit. Right now, we're not getting the credit. People think Democrats did this. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. You have to put the idea Thanks. out there in order for the reality to happen. Like it starts with an idea, and if yeah. people never even hear that idea, then it's not. It's never going to happen. So I, I kind of agree with you there. I I do think you'd have logistic problems trying to do all those pardons. Like there would be definitely be legal challenges because you'd be going. You'd be trumping, for lack of a better word, state law. So you'd have a lot of like state prosecutors and things like that that would be very upset that the people that they worked hard to convict well, are they getting are river, they getting Kyle. pardoned. I'm I'm not yeah, really is, crying a river. I'm just talking yeah, about well, I'm I mean, talking about certain, yeah. what actually would happen. Like what kind of paperwork do you have to do? What you know? What kind of records do they keep of these people? Like how do you just, get the records from them? Just back. But I think the idea. I mean, the idea. I think is 100 percent correct. I mean, whatever methods that need to be done, uh, you know, to the best of your ability, and and free as many of them as you can. Maybe you can't get all 100 percent of these people. Like maybe there's some you know ob- ob- obfuscation going on you would really um, yeah you'd really need a cultural shift right like the um the population needs to get on board with legalizing drugs and and freeing people and i just I there's mean, I g- think people there's, are people are getting there well, i don't it, it's people have already gotten there in weed that's I, just long gone we have we are seeing a shift toward no, legal I mean, drugs dude, think we, about we've seen a shift Kyle, like five, about, this was like five or six years ago you know, more people were polled um, saying that marijuana should be treated as alcohol than were polled as saying that marijuana should be illegal. So, yeah. I mean, that was like five years ago, dude. Now we got the dispensaries, dude, and everybody's blazed up. <laughs> well, also think about this: how many pe- how many people do you think you would free with that pardon? If you had to guess, it'll be a few million. 
few million. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a good possibility that they're going to vote libertarian after that, don't you think? (laughs) Yeah. You would think. Or they'd be more likely to, right? So, I mean, you know, they're going to help sort of, even if these aren't yet laws, because Arvin hasn't been in office yet long enough to convince all the, you know, the state governments to go that way. Um, You know, certainly these people are going to be a force for that in their communities, right? They will be. Now that they're free. And and, and here's the thing. It's, it's does, we don't even have to wait for my first day. And here's the, here's the really glorious thing. We have this radio ad that's about to go out. And it, it's just like, you know, it's, it's the first sentence is about pardon. The second sentence is about jury nullification. Mm. Most people don't know you can pardon people for, B, for people for BS crimes because the judges lie to them. The judges, imagine if every judge opened by saying, listen, Jury nullification is what brought freedom of press to America. If you think that this law is nonsense, say not guilty. I mean, if that started happening, mm-hmm. and judges aren't going to do that. Of course not. But as got a I job. Think, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think as you guys would at least, I think we could all at least agree that there's one thing that I do know how to do well, which is get a lot of people talking about a controversial subject that I want them to talk about. That yeah. is true. <laughs> that is yeah, argument Definitely. And if, if I'm the nominee, this country, I can promise you we'll be talking about jury nullification all day long however much they talked about aleppo multiply that about uh, by multiply that by about 100 that's how much they're going to talk about jury nullification i'll trigger them one way or the other until they just can't resist oh hell yeah dude kyle man i I think this is sounding pretty great dude what what do you what do you think man yeah I, i just i think like a lot of jurors are current like much of the population support the laws that we have right now so it's like it doesn't even occur to them yeah, but that you, you when, only need one out of 12 to like totally hang a jury and get um somebody who committed a bullshit victimless nonviolent crime off the hook and out of the rape dungeon yeah that's true <laughs> right yeah you only it only takes one person yeah but man I'm, I'm just telling I'm you just right saying, now you're saying, getting this, this 12 out solid, of 12 dude. are all like oh he's a drug dealer lock uh, him up for life not really man it only takes one i believe uh pete air and a demo freeman i believe uh, they went on t- trial for some bullshit and then defended themselves and then I, I believe they actually um, somehow were able to get out to the the jury about like jury nullification. Yeah. And it was and they might have even said it in court, you know, while they were defending themselves. And it was just one dude got them off, and they gave him a cop block shirt afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And they took pictures with them. <laughs> so awesome. I mean, you can like uh, you can you can do some cool shit, man. It's really. Uh, one out of twelve, I feel like you know that that's like uh, that's just like really a no brainer, especially for any nonviolent drug shit, you know. Yeah, and th- and that and that that's the key thing. I mean, what people aren't, I don't think people have fully understood the the fundamental change that's happened, which is as media has gone from people talking at you media to discussion media, social media, people are being pushed more and more into high information voting. Now, it might be very biased, high information voting, but people have more information. They explore more radical ideas now than they ever did before. And this is the time where we can make ideas like that catch fire. I'm not going to sit here and, and say, like, listen, if I'm the nominee, I'm guaranteed to get, you know, 100 million votes or whatever Gary Johnson was saying last time. I don't know if I can do that. But I can definitely get 100 million people talking about jury nullification and pardoning. <laughs> that I can make happen. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, day one sounds awesome, but day two is going to suck when they JFK you, man. <laughs> you know, one of, one of my students, he said, he's, he, he said, you know, what would you do if the CIA, you know, if you're elected, the CIA is going to try to kill you. I'm like, what about my personality makes you think I wouldn't kill them first? <laughs> Damn. Damn, dude. So wait, day Savage. one's actually going to be really awesome behind the scenes, too. <laughs> 
<laughs> so now, my, now, now that that's obviously a joke. I'm not planning to kill the CIA, whatever that means. But I'm planning to downsize the hell out of it. Yeah, I was going to say you better definitely like <laughs> clear, yeah, yeah, just, knock on just the door. to clarify, clarify was, what you mean just there. To, just to clarify that was a joke. I'm not. He meant cut their funding, right? Yeah, I mean, fund like, the agency, kill and, the agency, but, and but, lay them off. Yeah, right. But I'm going to be. I am going to be massively firing federal workers like no one's seen before. And yes, the intelligence age, the, the intelligence community has they've been aside from just you know their role being questionable they've just been bad at it i mean they've just not been good at it if the cia was so skilled why do we need a massive troop deployment to kill one guy i would think that a cia assassin or 10 of them or a thousand of them could pull it off i mean these are the kinds of this is like how or bad stop 9-11 from happening maybe or even better <laughs> i mean that would be even better so right now we have we have 17 18 redundant spy agencies they're not getting the job done by any reasonable measure of success they are dropping the ball again and again they're pulling us into quagmires that don't make sense so yeah it is time to downsize that by a lot mm. and i'm going to be firing federal workers in every agency i'm going to be getting rid of agencies left right and center i mean just everything that can go will go and pretty much everything can go what would be the first one you get rid of education i thought so uh, education <laughs> yeah. Yeah. now and for those of you listening that don't know arvin vor's background is actually in education correct that's true i get to see you know people you know when, when i talk to you know obviously on facebook most of veterans who are who are very vocal about what i write are, are pretty pro-war but all the veterans who message me personally they tend to be more anti-war. And they, they, they said that because they were there, because they saw this happening, that made them anti-war. They saw how pointless it was. They saw how much destruction it was. They saw that there's no, you know, the current deployments, there's no mission goal. There's no sense of what a completed mission would look like. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was one, kill, kill bin Laden, they achieved that. And now they're still there. And then yeah. at this point, they're just like, what? Ten years goal? later. Yeah, ten years later, they're still there. So me, you know, working in education, I get to see very close and personal the damage the Department of Education does. It's, it's just a daily, I see it every day, how much damage it's doing. So, yeah, I would get rid of that. I mean, I think that 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 because they harm people who are the most vulnerable, they need to go first. Okay, so uh, the next question from uh, the viewers was, uh, what's your plan for healthcare, bro? That's a big one. That's a big one. So I want I want to just kind of just go back in time a little bit, right? Go back to the 1950s, and here's what we have in the 1950s. So what's Arvin Kerr going to look like? No, I'm not, I can tell you. I got to tell a story over here. I was uh, trying to coin a term. Bro. Yeah, Arvin Kerr. Yeah, for <laughs> yeah. sure. So 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 here here we go. Back back to the 1950s. What do you have? You have normal people uh, can afford to have a doctor come to their house. So when your kid is sick, instead of you having to be like, let me get my sick kid and drive and then wait and wait. No, no, no. The doctor comes to your house. That's normal people. We're not talking about billionaires. We're talking about everybody. That's just like what people did. Now, today, we've, thanks to governments helping us out with the funding, that's that like Bill Gates can do that and like pretty much nobody else. So there, there's that aspect, right? But there's a second piece I want to add. So, so imagine just the, think of the 1950s like level of concern and care. Now consider this. You have things like LASIK, that science fiction level technology delivered by skilled laborers. And the price has gone down from you know tens of thousands of dollars per eye to a few hundred per eye. Yep. Mm-hmm. On the other side, you have EpiPen that's adrenaline in a syringe. It's like you know 1800s technology. The price has gone up from 100, 100 bucks to a few hundred bucks, right? So now imagine if we take all this advanced technology that right now it's expensive. 
the price gets pushed down. It gets pushed down by the free market because that's what the free market does to prices. You combine the science fiction level technology that we currently have. It's not something I'm making up. It is real. It exists. <laughs> and combine that with 1950s level of care and concern, which we did have. Again, this is historical fact, not something that's just like some libertarian utopia. Word, yeah. Put those together. That's Arvin Care. Hells yeah, dude. Hashtag Arvin Care. And so how so, do we make So it Arvin, yeah. for, for our... Listeners at home, what's what's not free market about what we have now? Isn't isn't there's it so, a free market so thing? There's there's so many things, right? There's yeah. so many things. One is imagine this: you, the, the the most skilled doctor in all of Europe and the most skilled doctor in all of Asia have exactly one thing in common: we're not allowed to practice medicine here. Mm-hmm. Now, to make things more absurd, and this, you know the government's protecting us. To make things more absurd, nurse practitioners can practice medicine. Mm-hmm. And that's not saying anything bad about nurse practitioners, by the way. Nurse practitioners, yeah. what you guys are doing is fantastic. I'm not saying there's anything bad about that. But I'm saying that the idea that the best surgeon in all of Switzerland can't practice in America right. and the most unskilled nurse practitioner in all of America can, it, it doesn't seem like the government's... It, it, you know, I saw this thing on Facebook where, where the, the, the thing said, when a cop in a motorcycle pulls you over for not having a yeah. seatbelt, yeah. you know it's not about your safety. When that's going on, you know this is not about your safety anymore. This mm-hmm. is, I mean, this is absurd. So one, open the border to doctors. Instead of doctors without borders, I want doctors within these borders right here. Right. Like if somebody in Switzerland wants to help people, shouldn't have to go to Africa. They should be able to come to America to help people. Right. And so that's, that's going to be one thing. Okay. Drugs, right? You want to buy drugs from overseas? Buy them. You know, why, why are we funding big pharma's border protection? I say if you want to buy it from Canada or France or Jamaica or wherever you want, do it. It's, mm-hmm. it's your body, your choice. Right. So you put those two things together, right? I mean, that, that's what healthcare is. It's, it's medicine, it's equipment, it's doctors. Right. If the price of all of those goes down, you get rid of the incentives that allow people to overcharge for no reason, then instead of it something costing, you know, let's say it costs right now $50,000, I'm saying it should cost $50. And for those of you who think that I'm just you know, blowing smoke and talking nonsense, tell me this. This cell phone, this now old, outdated cell phone, <laughs> how much would this have cost, you know, 30 years ago? Right. Well, it wouldn't exist, but well, yeah. Well, I mean, if it did exist, like, you know, if I could somehow get one from right. the Pentagon or Probably something. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, what, of like a million dollars? I mean, how, how much yeah, do yeah. cost? And, and that's the thing. We need to yeah. have the price incentives, and that comes from getting rid of the board. Well, and you right? brought up LASIK, which, when it first came out, was thousands of dollars. Now yeah. it's like, what, a few hundred dollars? Yeah, it's not. It's just $500, a few hundred dollars. Yeah. 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 When Gary Johnson came to Baltimore um, in 2012, I think it was, uh, I, he st- said something that stuck with me. And he was like, imagine going to the grocery store and there's no prices on anything. And it's like you find out after you left what everything costs. And it's like it would be very hard to shop. And he was like, we have, we're missing the price element of our, of our, um, in our healthcare market. Mm-hmm. There's too many middlemen between the consumer and the doctor. Right. And uh, he's like, we need more transparent pricing in, in, in healthcare. And uh, I, I thought that made perfect sense. I was like, yeah, it, it's, it's bizarre how, you know, you go through this channel and that channel. And, um, and then the government's obviously a major player. Um, pumping tons of money into the healthcare market, which amazingly, you know, hasn't brought the price down, right? It actually (laughs) makes the price go up when when, uh, the government funnels billions of dollars into the healthcare industry because... You know they're gonna they're gonna charge. Doctors want a piece of that. Yeah, I and mean, the people are trying to figure out right now how do I charge more rather than how do I drive the price down. Every normal business on earth, the first question is like, how can we offer this cheaper? How can we make this better and cheaper? Not how can we charge more so we go out of business compared to our competitors. But think of, and to use your example, Kyle, if there were now imagine that there are prices, but somebody else is paying for them. 
if I'm going to a grocery store and I know that Matt's going to pay for everything and the prices are on there, yeah. I'm only buying the most expensive things. Yeah, you're getting I mean, filet mignon. Urban. You're getting yeah. all the most expensive <laughs> stuff. And that that's exa- that's a great analogy for socialized medicine or, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I, Matt's going to pay for it. The taxpayers are going to pay for it. There's You remove all incentive for people to be uh, frugal or And then there's one checkout line with a thousand people standing in it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw this, you know, I talked to somebody who done this really incredible documentary about what welfare has done to the Eskimos in Alaska, right? Now, it's become almost this cultural norm in this one village where where she where this you know, where she was doing a lot of her research. It's almost become like a cultural norm to just never brush your teeth, let them fall out because they have free dental care, and the, you know they'll just get like fake teeth put in, top quality, right? And and that's that's an insane expenditure. Yeah, it's not good for your. It's not like it's good for your health. I mean, no. there's, there's nothing good about it, right? No, that's like what the wealth. If you take the extreme of the welfare state, you end up with the worst kind of consequences. On the other hand, let's say you have the reverse, whereas, yeah, if you have cavity, you got to pay for it. Now people are like, well, if, if, if for no other reason than I don't want to pay, I'm going to try to k- take care of my teeth. Those are the type of things that we want to see. You know, mm-hmm. healthcare that you actually pay for makes you want to be healthier, and it makes the other people want to drive down the cost. You, know, you have to look at, uh, look at Americans, and like, if you ever watched like, My 600-Pound Life, you know, look at... It, do you really want to have to pay for the the people that choose that kind of <laughs> lifestyle? You know, I mean, you're you're going to be on the hook for that. Like, it removes all incentive for people to take care of themselves and have any kind of personal responsibility because they can pass the buck. You know, they can put that cost on someone else. Why'd you look at me when you said that? I, <laughs> I didn't. I paid for I, your I was, shit. This is my six hundred pound life over here. All right. <laughs> you don't weigh six hundred pounds, but yeah, that that shows. No, we only pay for your chairs, Phil. That's crazy. Like, <laughs> most oh, of most of those true. people are on you know disability or on some sort of welfare. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. You know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I think the the next uh, topic here. Hold on. Let like, me let me lead it off. Let me lead it off. Oh, okay, but the thing is, we've only done the first day. We actually do like days ninety nine. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're still on the first hundred days. On to healthcare. Okay, yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're all right. So we got to go back to first hundred days. Let me just like, so, just, like I put like a few things out there. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Tell us about it, dude. Okay, so so big expenditures are welfare and warfare, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to shut down the welfare state right here. I'm going to shut down the welfare state. But the second thing is also how are we going to address the warfare state? And my belief is this: any country in the world has the right, if they want to, go to war with whoever they want. Any American has the right to donate that. So if Germany wants to invade France again, then any American, ha- I believe they have the right to support that voluntarily with money, with guns, by going over there. So that, that's your natural right. But you don't have the right to force somebody else to pay for it. So here's what I'm going to do. It's time for us to leave NATO. I don't think there's a high risk of Germany actually attacking France anymore. You know, the EU seems to have quelled the constant European squabblings, you know, military squabbling. So I don't think we need to be there for that anymore. So leave NATO, let Europe fend for itself. Then I'm going to shut down all foreign military bases. I'm going to basically my goal is this. I want to be able to defend the United States for the lowest cost possible, which might be zero, but it's certainly not what we're paying right now. <laughs> and so whether we're talking about a 99% cut or a 99.9% cut, it's just to what keeps us safe for the lowest cost. So who would you sell those bases off to? Would you just demolish them? Would you sell off the property? Would you 
scrap it? Would you sell it to the governments in, first? Like, what would the how that work? Because I hear a lot of people talk about that. Set up some strip malls in there. So, I mean, the, the thing, same thing that we do. The, I mean, we have decommissioned base in the United States. A lot of them are turned into something, you know, good. I mean, some of the, you know, they're turned into coffee shops. They turn, they're turned into other things, right? Because there is like a nice and rugged building, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I talked about uh, it, th- this week is that all the if if you if you imagine this, right? All the gains we've had in the last year. Let's say a hundred years ago, somebody could put make say fifty pounds of grapes. Let's say 10 years past, they could make 60 pounds of grapes. The government takes 10%, 10 pounds, right? And so to them, it looks like nothing's changed. And the next year, the same thing. The government's taking a little bit extra. What the government has been doing for the last 100 years is taking the entire surplus and then some, which is why today you need to have two parents working to be able to barely do what one parent could 50 years ago. Even though we have better technology, sure. more education, more automation, everything that should make us more productive we have. We're, we're not we're not getting those 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 gains, and so all this, the the things that should be going into you know building our houses into like you know giving us better lives, they're not, it's not disappearing. It's being used to build prisons and bases and warships and all kinds of nonsense. So, so so yeah, to me, you sell off the higher highest bidder, cut taxes accordingly. What would people? Like, I know the hypothetical answer to that would be someone from like leftists would be like, well, "What if Russia buys us? What if Russia moves into the bases that we leave behind?" Well, and then, so weird. If that, I mean, if if France wants to pass a law against Russia moving into their bases, that's France business. Then we sell it to whoever's the highest legal bidder. Now, you know, I know that I've heard, I've read around that we actually had a higher tax rate in the 1950s than we do right now. We had in so, some of the taxes we had higher nominal rates. Uh, those were cut, but then they were shifted around to other types of taxes. So, for example, our property taxes have gone way up. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to counterbalance property taxes primarily is what fund government schools. It's one of the reasons that I would encourage states to eliminate property taxes, though the president doesn't actually have the ability to necessarily do it directly. Um, so, a lot of other taxes. The total, if you want to look at the real taxation, it's not about looking at the rates; it's about looking at the total net revenue and the total net revenue. The total, the, sorry, the, to, the total revenue. The total revenue today is many times higher than the government revenue in the 1950s. Whether you look at that per capita or aggregate. Yeah, a lot of those, a lot of it was like people say, like, well, it was like 70 percent back then, but that's not really what they were paying. I mean, a lot of these companies were able to, you know, finagle, at, use tax loopholes, and I think what, I forget the word it was they said, but the rate that was actually being taxed from people was only like 30 percent. From really, that's what people were actually paying. They had more the, deductions back then. Yeah. Okay, so back to your first 100 days. Okay, so leaving NATO. Mm-hmm. Shutting down foreign military base, bases, bring the troops home, firing federal workers, just making the government just tiny. What about the post office? Either, oh, oh actually, no, 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 that's actually a really more important point, which is there's current laws that were put in place to protect the post office monopoly that basically say that only the post office can use can deliver mail mm-hmm. so get rid of that yeah and just let them compete yeah if, if they can i mean if they can compete i mean if a random organization compete i don't care fine go ahead it, it's interesting how people are so critical of what they they call monopoly in the private sector <laughs> yeah where they'll say like oh facebook has a monopoly or microsoft has a monopoly they're not even true monopolies but but in, in the public sector all of a sudden a monopoly is like this wonderful thing oh we have the post office we need that you know or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is 
you know, the government monopoly is praised, where if it's a, a dominant market position, that's that's criticized. And I, I don't know why people have that double standard, but they do. I think people have this disbelief, which is has been inculcated them thanks to things like government schools, which, as you know, I believe need to be gotten rid of right this second, um, <laughs> is, is you have this belief that that you have a say in government and they don't realize right. people don't realize you well, yeah have it's, a, it's it's well right sorry yeah but gonna, it's yeah. like they're like oh the government is us we are the government yeah, that's right? what they believe but so the, it's the like fact is yeah we have Did, more kyle of a say, say that? in everything else didn't kyle say that before the podcast <laughs> Probably. i don't think so i mean <laughs> no, but so yeah so like if it's like oh well i have a monopoly over you know it's my monopoly it's i'm part of this monopoly you know that's yeah. what yeah, that's th- what it the uh if it's not a conscious thing, it's a, it's an unconscious yeah. thing. Yeah, maybe they take a they think they're a part of it in some way, or you know, I've heard people complain about their taxes, and they're like, you know, you can't be spending my money like that, and it's like, eh, that's not how taxes work. You know, you don't really have a choice. You don't <laughs> once they take the money, it's gone, right. and you know, they're, they're, they're not going to spend it. it how you want it. They're right. going to spend it how they want to spend it. Well, that's the whole argument. The whole like democratic socialist argument isn't like. Well, government's bad. Well, no, government's just—it's just not in the hands of the right people. And if and if it's in the hands of the people, you know, us, then oh, then we'll just turn everything around, and you know, it, all the tax money be, will be used for good, and we won't go to war anymore. We'll just, you know, give everyone free health care and shit. And it's like, yeah, it's uh, important to point out that they take away the consumer's autonomy, right? They're, if they mm-hmm. take all your money. Uh, they're going to decide how that money is spent instead of you. So it actually does take away more, you know, it takes away your freedom and your freedom right. of choice. And, you know, and I think what like your purchasing okay, power. I, I think you just gave the democratic socialists uh, too much credit. Cause like mm. when I think of democratic socialists, at least ones that are elected in, or in power, I think of like Bernie Sanders. Okay. I think of like Acacia Cortez mm-hmm. and neither one of them have, have, have I heard have really been great on being anti-war. Um, you know, I think Tulsi Gabbard's been much better. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard some noise from AOC. I think um, some anti-war but noise, it, it's, but it's it's always geared towards their socialist ends. It's never like war is immoral. Uh, yeah. You know, it's never like a like a principled. Well, obviously, it's not going to be a principled libertarian position, but it's not like a a non-violent thing. It's more just like we're wasting money on that. Let's spend it elsewhere instead. You know, it's never. Just like we'll just end war, and I don't care where the money goes, but we're just we got to stop killing people. I, that's not the noises that you hear from them typically, you know. So you've got a, you've got a point there. Mm-hmm. They were fine with but Obama, right? Whatever Obama wanted well, to do d- was yeah, that. Yeah, was, that's to be why fair to the yeah. democratic the democratic socialists as a group, they tend not to like Obama, from, from what I gather. Okay, but um, anyways, going back to what I I kind of cut off Arvin, but I think what you were going to say was, um, you actually have more control over corporations than you do over the post office because you can just withdraw your money from the corporation but it's, it's even better it's like you don't need to control them right yeah so it's you know you imagine a restaurant right you don't get a single say in what they put on the menu right i mean unless you're a celebrity and you can tell but but normal people don't <laughs> you don't get a say in what they put on the menu yeah right? it happens all the time to me but <laughs> but what happens is this they're gonna go out of their way to figure out what you want on their menu so that you will show up like a right. king and like, you know, patronize their establishment. Yeah. I mean, they'll put research into your like inner thoughts to make you a sandwich that you like. Right. You know what I mean? And so it's like, you don't need to control them. They're like the most, you know, if it, they're, they're, 
you know, people say like we are, are the consumers of the surf, but in reality, the businesses are the surf. They're the most well-behaved, docile surfs you can ever get. Mm-hmm. And and capitalism has actually made normal, average consumers essentially like the lords of the manor. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, when has Applebee's ever aggressed upon me? <laughs> it's like shit. Like, Dude, uh, I don't know. Have you ever had one of their fucking like fried onions, man? That thing will aggress upon your colon. It's true. Touche. <laughs> Touche. I'd like to stop getting junk mail. I mean, if there was a way to like have a spam filter, you know, spent how much time like I spent oh, a lot yeah. of time in my life just throwing away like flyers and ads. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I have the post office to thank for just constantly inundating me with mail that I don't want. That, that's because you got like you're not their client. Right. I mean, right. I'm not a cu- I'm not truly a customer. That's a yeah, good point. That, yeah. Like, you know, if if I if, you know, in my business, if we send out, say, one mailing of five thousand brochures or something that is is going to be more mail than even like an old time grandma who's writing every day to her grandkids is going to do in a lifetime. And so it is like the commercial mail that people don't want. That's the actual client. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like on Facebook, you know, like, like at post office, you do pay a bit. Facebook, it's free, but that's because you're not the client. The advertiser is the client. The person who's paying them is the client. Right. And, and, and so I don't think people get that. They think the, the post office is there to serve them. It's just not. I mean, that's just a like a just a fact. They're not the main client. Okay, so so day one hundred. Let's let's go back to that first one hundred days. What else? Getting rid of the taxes, and and to get rid of taxes, I'll I'll sign an order into law. I'll pardon. I'll pardon people who don't pay taxes. I'll do whatever it takes to make sure that the government the government is aggressing as little as possible. Like I don't think the government needs to have anything close to the amount of money that it's currently taking. I want to starve and defund the beast. Um, you know, Gary Johnson wanted to find a different way to feed the beast. That's not me. I want to starve the beast. Good. Nice. Did he say that? He wanted to find a different way to feed the beast? Or I mean, that's that fair tax. Yeah, I think yeah. he was in favor of what's a fair tax is national sales tax. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he went on here. and on about how it's revenue neutral. That was a major selling point for me. It's revenue neutral. And when I heard that, I was like, well, that's that's the worst thing about it. It's, you don't want it to be revenue neutral. You want them to have less money to bomb people with, le- less money to lock nonviolent people in rape cages with, less money to interfere with the food supply, less money for corn subsidies. You want them to have less money, not like the same amount of money. Right. It's it's interesting to me how, like, and I agree with, like, the libertarian view where it's, like, government is this huge b- bloated monstrosity with all these, like, spiraling agencies that are, you know, way over budget and shouldn't even exist. And then other people look at it and they go, it's too small, you know. Right, right. It, it, it doesn't like, do enough. How can we have such a different uh, viewpoint? It, it's bizarre. But okay, anyway. so moving on, you know. So Arvin, <laughs> you pretty much made this your your number one issue. It seems you know it's, it's one of my issues. It, yeah, it's definitely it's, it's a big it's issue. It's, it's a, a big, big issue. issue. Yeah, because yeah, anytime you speak about it, I feel like a lot of people get triggered. They do. You know, the Kyle Wagner's of the world just come out in groves. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, I, so, I don't get triggered by hardly anything anymore. Okay, so you know, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty dicey subject matter, man. It's uh, the age of consent. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, and. Uh, it's I don't know. For some reason, it seems like when you post about it, you know, with uh, you know a written post on Facebook, it seems like then people tend to get really triggered. And, um, it seems like they don't get as triggered when you're speaking about it. Correct. I've I do I think there's some truth to that, and and I think that when I speak about it, I think people get the sense that that there's 
there's, there's a gray area. There, it's not it's not the question of the gray. I think people understand more why I bring it up because when when I write about it, people are just like, okay, he's just trying to trigger people, or he's a sociopath, or, or he's just know. trying to touch kids. Yeah, or, I mean, or just like you know, he wants to go on a date with a six month old, or I mean, like like <laughs> like I mean, that's the response. But but here's the thing: there's there, there's there's a two big issues here, right? One is there's a strategic issue here. You know, you go back to th- 2008. We had a choice between Dr. Mary Ruert, who, you know, if I look back at recent presidential candidates, that's the one that I look up to the most, the one I identify with the most. Then you had Bob Barr and Wayne Root, who were the worst candidates. I mean, Republicans, they just, they weren't even minarchy, they weren't anything, right? And if you look at what was the thing that they used, what was the wedge issue that made people afraid, it was age of consent. Because Dr. Ruert talked about that, you know, ever, and they got people so triggered about it that they got Dr. Ruert's words, like they got Dr. Ruert's words all the way to Time Magazine. That's how far they pushed it. And me looking as a, you know, a student of like, not maybe ancient history, but like, you know, a few years ago history, I'm like, well, if they did that to her, they're going to do it to me. Because all somebody have to do is like, look up what they did in 2008, ask the same question. They know I'm not going to lie because I don't believe in lying to like my actual, you know, our actual people. I don't want to lie to libertarians. I'm going to lie to a lot of somebody else. So they, all they have to do is just ask the question, and I would say, no, I don't believe government should, should, should set age of consent, and then we would be back in 2008 with no time. So I wanted people to have the full two and a half years to discuss it, to understand it, to really wrestle with what is a difficult issue. It's supposed to be a difficult issue. That's what we need to do. We need to wrestle with the difficult issues that are at the heart of the anarchist and voluntarist philosophies. Mm. Word. Yeah, man. Um, I, I just I just heard you speaking on it uh, the other night on Facebook, and yeah, I thought you did an excellent job. And I feel like it, it really does. Uh, it needs to be said, you know, because there's so many ridiculous cases where, like, you know, a, a kid sends a, a dick pic when he's like 17, or like, uh, but he had it on his phone when he was 18, so it's possession of child porn. But like you of know? himself. Like, yeah, let's yeah, just be clear. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, let, exactly. let me be clear. Like, like people are himself. getting arrested for possession of child porn of themselves from like last year. That's what that's how far this has gone. Yeah. And here's how far this area has gone. Now I know there's a lot of, you know, and a lot of you guys, you know, support a lot of the the, the libertarianist Republicans. Here's how far this hysteria has gone. There is a bill to ban child sex dolls. Now, I agree the child sex dolls are a little unsettling. They're kind of gross and not really my thing. I don't want to witness it. I want to have one. I get that they're disgusting. That's not the point. The point is that they, pat, they had a bill in Congress, no one voted against it, no one spoke against it, because people are so afraid of being labeled child molesters. And to me, the basic fact is this. If you're not a child molester, you don't really have to worry about it. I mean, if, you know, let's say that the pragmatists got their way and there was this huge inquest into every aspect of my life from the time I was born to the present, all they would find out was like, oh, it turns out that Arvind Vohr is not a child molester, which we didn't really think he was anyway. We were just being assholes on Facebook. So if... if if you, I can get if you are a child molester and you want to kind of keep it on the DL, fine. Yeah, don't oppose it. But if you're not one, what are you? What are you afraid of? That someone's going to call you a mean name? I mean, if you're a congressman and you can't handle handle somebody calling you a name, then get any other job. I mean, that's your, the job of a congressman. Well, I think they're more worried about just losing their uh, their spot, right? Because then their opponent next next election is going to be like, oh, my opponent voted for 
you know, he's in favor of child sex dolls, you know. Yeah, it's political suicide, which is why, you know, people tell you not to get involved with the topic because your opponents are going to want to paint you as a child molester or someone who supports child molesters. And that's just not a winning position to be in. So think about that doll situation, right? We, we as libertarians understand that you have limited law enforcement resources. All right. I don't think the police should be, I don't believe in government police, but let's say for a moment we suspend that, right? I'm going to go with Kyle's minarchist position just for a moment. You know, don't, no, nobody get too angry about that. Just minarchist Arvin. Here okay. Now. So minarchist Arvin is going to say, okay, we have Minarvin. limited law enforcement resources. Given that it takes a certain amount of energy to like seize smuggled dolls and a certain amount of energy to seize smuggled and rescue smuggled kids. Mm-hmm. Both of those are things that are going to happen. I mean, if you ban it, there's going to be a black market. We know that. It's not like they're not going to be able to get them. You just have to get them on the black market. Yeah, but I mean, well, there's, I think it comes down to it, there's no victim with the dolls. One, there's no victim. And second, you are literally diverting valuable law enforcement resources from an actual crime. I mean, let's like. There's also the argument that yeah. if they have the dolls, then they won't be going after real kids. I right? don't know about that. I, mean, well, I, don't, I don't know if that's I agree with Arvin. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, there, there's I'm, no question that it takes. However, it, it, just like it takes effort to seize marijuana, it takes effort to find and seize child sex dolls. And that effort, just like marijuana, is taken. Uh, look at what marijuana has done to actual crime for, with adults, right? You have a backlog of tens of thousands of rape kits. And if you guys don't know what a rape kit is, after somebody's raped, they can go in through a very in, unpleasant, invasive evidence collecting process. And then that kit is sent to, uh, you know, for DNA testing. Here's the thing. There's a backlog of unprocessed, we're talking tens of thousands of unprocessed rape kits. And that happens because they have prioritized things like marijuana and all this nonsense, and they just don't get to it. And the worst part is, you know, so it's, it's, you know people talk about how it's so difficult for people to come forward, and of course, it is very difficult for people to come forward. The people who come forward, they don't get a phone call back. They don't say like, yeah, we didn't get around to it. They just assume you know, after this traumatic experience that they're like, oh, I guess the police couldn't find anything. It's not that they couldn't. They just didn't feel like it because they had marijuana to chase and that was their higher priority. Mm. And what they're going to be telling the, the parents of, you know, kids from wherever they're coming from, whether domestic or international, sorry, we would have tried to stop your kid. I mean, stop your kid from being kidnapped and, and raped, but we were too busy chasing after sex dolls, which offended people's sensibilities. Because that is literally what they're saying. And the fact that a law like that got through Congress with no opposition shows the level of fear and cowardice that we're seeing across both parties and from the libertarian Republicans or whatever they're called nowadays, the freedom Republicans, I forget their name. That kind of cowardice, I understand why it's politically expedient, but that is not leadership. That is not meaningful anything. That is just like kowtowing to the sheer stupidity of saying oh no somebody might think 99.999 percent of people are not child molesters not this highly common thing it happens yes it's tragic when it happens we need to shut it down but the fear that politicians have of being labeled this has gotten out of hand Mm. and so yeah i'm gonna stand up and say that some of these laws are stupid because when nobody says some of these laws are stupid we get shit like this Mm -hmm. pardon my language we get stuff like this where you're literally Forgetting about actual victims to chase after dolls. Okay, so you're mentioning like uh, the libertarian Republicans, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it, w- when you say that, you know, I I think of when I think of libertarian Republicans, I can only really think of three people, right? I think, uh, you know, Massey, uh, yeah, Massey, Amash, yeah, and Rand Paul, 
And then you now know, this was a house vote, so 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 in, in this particular case, I don't think Rand Paul had an option to say okay. anything about so, it. So like, who are you like pissed off at? It, well, since this was a unanimous vote, uh-huh. no objection vote, no one spoke against it. Okay. I'm pissed at every single person who thought it was more important to chase after dolls, which is idiotic, than to chase after kids. And when I say chase after kids, like rescue kids who were you know kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Um, it's uh, it, it, I guess it kind of seems like nobody wanted to be the n- one no vote on that one. Yeah, and and that's the thing, and that's why I miss Doctor having Doctor Ron Paul in 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 the house. Yeah, because there were times where he would be the only no vote, and well, that's how, right. And it isn't like just an homage, isn't he? Kind of doing that a lot now, from what I've read. A lot of times, sometimes, but yeah, I guess in this case, like apparently not all. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. In that and, case. and so, so here's the, and here's the difference, and here's where where one of the times where because I was skeptical about Dr. Paul because he's a Republican. I'm like, you know, it's the other side. But here's where where he really won me over. There was a bill to give, I think it was Rosa Parks, like some major civil rights leader, a Congressional Medal of Freedom, and he said, "This is not something government should spend money on." I think we can spend money on it. Each of us could give a thousand bucks or a hundred bucks, and it would be more than enough. He was the one no vote. Now here's the thing. That's, it's so easy to use that move to say Dr. Ron Paul is a racist and so are all of his followers. And people do that. I mean, people say that all the time. They can say that, but that wasn't the point. He stood up for what was right when it was unpopular. That's what it means to say. Anybody can say enough for what's right when it's popular. I mean, just, that, that that's not a, doesn't take backbone. That doesn't take anything. But but the fact that Dr. Paul showed backbone there, then I learned more about him. He showed backbone in the 80s where he would be the one person arguing against the drug war at the height of the popularity of the drug war. That is what leadership looks like to me. That's the kind of leadership I aspire towards. And do I know that people are going to call me names? Yeah, obviously. Fine. Call me names. But at the end of it, if I can get people to not be in government schools, if I can get people to pardon people instead of sending them to, rape, to government rape dungeons, if I can convince law enforcement that, that trying to rescue actual kids who are kidnapped is more important than chasing after dolls fine i'll take the sacrifice of being called a mean name online word word so you know i think now we're going to move on to a topic that is not arvin and finally (laughs) (laughs) no i'm just joking let's do the sex uh, strike one yeah that's where we're going jared all right that's that's where we're on the board bro bro (laughs) <laughs> so uh, okay, so apparently there was like uh, an abortion bill passed, and then uh, so you guys ever figure out if it's like six weeks or nine weeks? Uh, pretty sure it was nine weeks. Pretty sure. It was okay, nine. so well, basically the idea. So this passed in Georgia was if there is a fetal heartbeat, so they're calling it the heartbeat law, um, then you can't abort, and that happens. At, you, you're saying nine? I thought it was six weeks. Either way, it six to nine weeks, sixty nine. Um, six to nine, <laughs> dude. Um, so in response to that, um, Alyssa Milano, who is uh, – she an actress? Yeah, what, 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 she was in Charmed and yeah. she's in a bunch of stuff. So and But she's become basically like the SJW folk hero now. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, she, she went on uh, Twitter and declared a sex strike and begged all uh, liberal – or you know her, her version of the word liberal uh, – women to um, – to not have sex, uh, at least not have sex with anyone, with any conservative or anyone who supports uh, the abortion bill. Um, Kyle, do you think this is going to curtail the pussy flow? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you no, I, I think I think most guys that are conservative probably aren't with women that are so far left that they would uh, right. they would I, cut off sex over something like this. Which I think is pretty funny because one of the main oppositions to, uh, that people throw out there against 
um, you know, people like a lot of people like of her kind and her ilk would say, well, abstinence doesn't work. We can't preach abstinence. Doesn't work. But yeah, here she is calling for an abstinence sex strike. Wow, that is that is a uh, very. Ironic, I guess. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, that's why I find it hilarious. And, and here's there, there's there's two problems that I have with this whole thing, right? The, the first is if you if your arguments if arguments fail you if you don't have a good argument and you're and you're not that bright, you usually resort to fists. Like use your fists when you can't use your brain. And if your brain and fists both both don't work, then you resort to your genitals. It is the lowest form of argumentation that exists but there's a second aspect of it that i think is even more toxic which is this belief that only men are supposed to enjoy sex and if women enjoy sex well then there's something wrong and Mm. to me that is like that is a very toxic and negative way of looking at sex it's it's a way that i had hoped had gone out in about the 1700s but apparently right you you wouldn't expect to hear Alyssa milano well to be fair in the in, in the post she did say something about enjoying sex but Something about gratifying it through other means. So I guess she means like just start masturbating or child of, sex dolls or child <laughs> sex dolls <laughs> instead of uh, instead of having sex with conservative men. I guess. I mean, yeah, it's just uh, you know I think she is just in it for the uh, for keeping her career alive. I, I don't think she actually believes in any of this stuff. I think she's a useful idiot for the media. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and she's compared a lot to. Um, so the whole Me Too movement was essentially started by uh, th- this other actress, Rose McGowan. Um, weren't they friends too? I'm pretty sure they were. They might have been friends, but basically, yeah, Rose they on, like, was charmed together. I'm pretty sure they were. Yeah, I thought so, Jared. I don't know. I don't. Even, I've never watched this fucking show. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> um, but apparently, she was too radical and she was too uh, uncontrollable, at least by you know the powers in the media and the powers of the movement or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, so they kind of pushed her aside, even though she was the one who kind of started the whole thing. It was actually, um, you know, raped by, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Weinberg, right? So she was actually a victim of his Weinstein. Wrong, wrong, wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Nice racism, Jared. (laughs) It's my Jew card, dude. (laughs) Um, so she was an actual victim, you know, so legit had a legitimate claim to like the movement, so to speak. Um, what, say what you want about it, but and then they, it, Melissa, Alyssa Milano came along, and I don't think she's had any at least notorious uh, instance where this happened to her, um, and just kind of hijacked it, and now no one pays attention to this rose chick, and everyone's fawning over uh, Milano, and it's just you know you can just tell it's all just sort of this mani- media manipulation. Um, you know, it's all just kind of smoke and mirrors. Well, she got attacked by a transgender man because she <laughs> said, ladies, you know, let's do this. And he was like, he took exception to the fact that she didn't say cis ladies. Is that what it was, Phil? I don't know. I can't. I don't right. I don't follow all these people. I think <laughs> it they, was get, they get so triggered about everything. Wait, go ahead. Yeah, so yeah, so she's so Alyssa Milana. Uh, she posted uh, on Twitter. She said, "We can love sex and fight for our bodily uh, autonomy. There are lots of alternatives to cis men. Protect your vaginas, ladies. Men in positions of power are trying to legislate them." Hashtag sex strike. So this person named Sam responded, "said Not all quote ladies have vaginas. Some have penises. It's not hard to put cis before ladies, but you chose not to, and that's transphobic behavior." And she responded back saying you're right if i could edit it i would thank you like 
that's just the mental gymnastics there for <laughs> that whole conversation. They're, they're all just best left to their know. own devices. Just don't <laughs> get in the middle of it. Like, don't talk to them. I don't know. know. I, I think that was stunning and brave. <laughs> that's my favorite meme. Stunning, stunning and brave. That's my brave. favorite meme. Stunning and brave. Like, oh, shit, man. We, we didn't even talk about this. It's just like how stupid it was how the guy from the Cubs, uh, one of the fans, he put the OK symbol up in the background of a... Oh uh, yeah, the they said that was the white, the white power symbol. Yeah, yeah, and they banned him for life. It's just, it's just stupid. Oh, did really? he get banned, yeah, for, banned life? for life? Banned for life. Wow. Was it a black reporter? Yeah. Oh Jesus Christ! But he held it down, just just let it down with his hand, and of course, the media outrage. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, he could have meant okay. He could have meant he could have been doing the like punch punch me thing. So no, no so so they legit like it's not just an internet thing like. Actual it, people, legit, like the no. Cubs. The Cubs organization believes that this is a white yeah, power. Everyone side. believes it because they're afraid <laughs> to. I mean, wow, it, dude, that's a four chan troll. Like, I know. <laughs> so it was like, hey, even this is a joke. Like, hey, I'm sure we could get people to believe that the OK symbol is a white power sign. Look, we're gonna we're gonna make a fake post about it just to show how crazy the left is. And then people actually started believing it. So now people do it as a. A fake thing, just the troll. So people. now we can't use one of our favorite, you know, convenient symbols for saying okay. Yeah. Dude, someone right? responded to it online saying, "Well, swastikas were once Hindu symbols, and now you can't use them because hey, but they the still Nazis are." Come. I hey, mean, uh, oh, it's funny. I had someone I work. If you, if you go to yeah, if you go to Asia, you see them everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> they're not I, like tearing them dude, down. Dude, funny story is I worked with someone who literally posted online. She took a picture of it and she was like, "This." So fucking not okay having swastikas on your front door oh my god like i'm terrified and i had to remind i said that i knew what it was i saw the it was like swooped across the front door and i said that's those are hindu symbols mm-hmm. those are hindu symbols and i had to explain to her on her facebook post no 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 those are hindu symbols like i know i've seen that before i know exactly what that is, is. It, is it angled a little bit or something is uh, it yeah, it's, not, it's not like turned it's well, no, more the arm no, the arms go in a different direction too no no, it's it can do either way. Yep. So I'll, I'll, I'll send a picture of it because it's still the person still lives there that I know. Okay, so we're about to wrap this up. Um, Arvin, is there anything you want to say before we uh, get off here? Wait, I want to. What are your thoughts on R. Kelly, real quick? On R. Kelly, is, yeah, is uh, in what aspect? A hero or a child molester? I I don't know enough about his background, but as far as I know. I honestly just don't even know enough about. It. I mean, I know that he's a good singer. I know that there was like something involving somebody who was like fifteen yeah, I mean, or sixteen or something. Like, like yeah, that. I mean, it's, it sounds like you don't, you probably don't know enough to have uh, yeah, to, no, to spout out and form an opinion. Right? So, 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 so uh. let me let me let me put this in perspective, right? If let, let's just imagine for a moment, let's imagine for a moment that instead of trying to do your damnedest to make sure that 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 your kids know as little about sex, relationships, procreation, raising kids, try to make them as ignorant as possible, which is the current parenting norm. And that's what, what we're supposed to do as parents. Let's say you, you didn't do that. You actually tried to do your best to educate. Do you really, do we really think that somebody's like 15 or 16 would not be able to understand a situation? Not to say that somebody couldn't use like drugs or alcohol or pressure, or all those things. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, could somebody in an ideal circumstance or make a con- make informed content? Of course. I mean, there, there's no imaginable way where you'd say that there's no way. Now, in, I don't know about R. Kelly's case, so maybe it's a situation where somebody gave informed consent and maybe it's a situation where somebody didn't give informed consent. I mean, people use all kinds. I mean, Bill Cosby was going after people who were, who were not of any particular age, but were not exactly giving conform con- informed consent by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Yeah, he was drugging them yeah. uh, un- yeah. unbeknownst to them. Okay, okay. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, anything you want to say, Arvin, before we uh, get off here? Um, 
not really. Oh, yeah. I just want to make sure. Yeah. You, I just, we just want to make sure you have a platform to say whatever you want to say when you come on our podcast. Yeah. I appreciate we, that. We, we, we love you here. Thanks for coming back again. And uh, so I want to say we have uh, the Patreon now. So if you want to help us keep the lights on here in Anarchy Basement, uh, visit us at patreon.com forward slash punk rock libertarians. And if you contribute a minimum of $1 per month, you will receive uh, access to our After Hours podcast. So hit us up over there. We also have t-shirts over at libertariancountry.com. If you enter in the code PRL or the code PRL podcast, you'll receive a 10% discount. Until next time, live free or die. You can't justify killing by economic gain For God, country, and democracy You can put freedom in God, boy, in a fine land You support the truth, then bring them home I believe the jokes will do the best for you And I believe that we have the power, have the power I hate the state, and I know I'm a slave We can make a break Break the power, break the power Society owes individuals nothing more than not interference with natural rights What's a virtuous person fully comprehends the non-aggression principle The violence of the state becomes obsolete